Howdy, everyone. Welcome to GoFeffy Break here on Unsafe Space. Today is, I think it's the last day of February. It is. It's February 28th, according to my computer. Um, welcome. I'm Carter. Uh, thank you all for the worries last week. Sorry about last week. Uh, I know we dropped off the face of the earth for a week. I'm fine. Uh, everyone is fine. There's no injuries, deaths, or other horrific events to report. But Carrie is out today. We're sans Carrie. Um, she had a live interview with Adam Kriegler this morning. I think it's probably over by now, but it's on her deprogrammed channel. So you can go check it out if you want. Um, and I think she's doing a live pop culture this Wednesday and another deprogrammed on Thursday over there. So check those things out. Um, you're watching uh, Unsafe Space right now. You can watch us at unsafespace.com. You might be watching from there or YouTube, uh, Odyssey, Utreon, Rumble. Maybe some ones I'm forgetting. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space. And you can support the show by going to underscore, no, by going to unsafespace.com. And lots of ways to support the show there. By the way, the subscribe button, <clears throat> there's a rumor that the subscribe button might join NATO. So now's a good time to invade it. Just bomb the shit out of it uh, to make sure it never, ever joins NATO. Um, also, we do have book club. I have the book. Hold on. Here's the next book club. It's March 6th, The Real Anthony Fauci, uh, <clears throat> which I guess is this Sunday. So you got some time. Um, well, a week. It's a thick book, so you don't have a lot of time. But you can show up even if you didn't read the book. Uh, all right. So today, let's 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 start. We got a couple special guests. One is our own Keith the Hat guy, whom many of you um, probably have seen from Liberty Solutions and on the website writing and stuff like that. Hey, Keith, how you doing? I'm good. Alrighty. Uh, Keith is very talkative. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to mess also, up your intro. <laughs> fair enough. Alrighty. Uh, we are also joined by a special guest, David Boy. I think most of you know him. He is. Hello. Uh, hey, David, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Uh, let me just give you back, in case people don't know David's background, he's the author of the Late Republic Nonsense blog, which is right behind him on the wall. There's a thing, so you can't not know it now. He specializes in national security, political warfare, influence operations, and the media. He's a Claremont Institute Lincoln Fellow, Senior Fellow at the Center for Security Policy, and he's a swole jazz musician, so watch out. That's all I have to say. Um, welcome, man. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Great to be here. So I want to kick it off just, uh, I want to just give our audience a little bit of background on at least from what I can tell what's going on in Ukraine at the moment, not a lot of background, but a little bit and just get people up to speed. And then, um, and then we'll dive into questions. You guys can fill me in if I'm missing anything. So the Eastern, uh, Eastern area of Ukraine called the Donbass area, I guess is Full of a bunch of separatists, separatists, allegedly Russian-backed separatists, I guess, uh, have controlled that region for almost eight years. And last week, um, Putin recognized the independence of two of those, the regions there, the Donetsk region and the Luhansk region, uh, which are now, I guess, People's Republics, according to Putin. Um, and a couple of days later, on the 24th, Russia launched an invasion of Ukraine. And Kiev has been under attack, but I think still in Ukrainian control. Um, Washington has offered to evacuate the president, President Zelensky, who has 
refused. He did this viral video, which you might have seen, where he's like, we're all here. Our soldiers are here. The citizens are here. I'm staying here and fighting and glory to Ukraine and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's become a little like a lot of the warmongers. A lot of the hawks are very excited that he there's images of him wearing fatigues and that kind of stuff. Um, in the West has tried a variety of sanctions against Russia. Um, and its leaders, including Putin and, and Lavrov. Some Russian banks, I think, are now not in the SWIFT system, which is the how you can transfer money internationally. Um, I think there was a concern that if countries can't pay for gas, Russia would cut them off, but I don't think that's happened. By the way, let me show this uh, in case people don't know. It's hard to see, but this is a share of gas supply from Russia in Europe in 2020 by country. So Bosnia, Herzegovina is at the top, they get 100% of their gas, but you go all the way down to like Italy gets 46%, Germany 49, Greece 51, Poland 40. A lot of these countries get a lot of gas from Russia. So it's kind of a kind of a big deal. Who's the one at the very bottom? We're the ones um, at the very bottom. Georgia. Georgia, 6%. Surprisingly, I would think, but I don't know. I don't know much about the gas. I, I saw but, an estimate for the average for all of Europe at 40%. 40 percent yeah, of all which is energy. which is really crazy because it doesn't i mean 40 percent is is you know uh 40 percent is lights out um mm -hmm. you know even 10 percent mm -hmm. is uh you know uh a, a big deal but 40 percent is like you know i mean that's that's not going to be replaced um you know that's not going to be replaced with uh with any speed if it needs to be. Yeah, like it would take years to, to replace something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's that situation. Uh, what else has happened in my notes here? Oh, Germany did a 180 in the past week. They were kind of skittish about supporting Ukraine at first. Um, and now they've halted the certification of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. They're now sending weapons to Ukraine. They support the SWIFT restrictions. And the Chancellor of Germany suddenly said hey, we're going to start spending money on defense that we haven't in the past, which I guess is a big deal for Germany. I guess I understand why Germans are hesitant to fund their military, uh, but that hesitancy is going away. Um, and to top it all off, I want to play this video of, of Putin reminded everyone the other day that Russia had nukes, and he said there will be no winners. Let's play this video. I'm going to try and translate for people. He says, I want to stress one more time. I've been saying it, but I'd very much want you to finally hear me and to deliver it to your audience in print, TV, and online. Do you understand it or not that if Ukraine joins NATO and attempts to bring Crimea back by military means, the European countries will be automatically pulled into a war conflict of course, NATO and Russia potentials are incomparable. We understand it. But we also understand that Russia is one of the leading nuclear states. And by some modern components, it even outperforms many. There will be no winners. And you will be pulled into this conflict against your will. You won't even have time to blink your eye when you execute Article 5, which is the collective NATO defense agreement. Mr. President Macron, of course, doesn't want this, and I don't want it, and I don't want it, which is why he is here torturing me for six hours straight. By the way, I wasn't translating. I was reading the translation, just in case. Anyone... Yeah. Um, I think he might be... Uh, um, 
referring to the Poseidon nuclear torpedo thing, which is one of his things. All right. And I think now they're in talks in Belarus. That's where I am. What did I miss? That's the first thing. What did I miss, guys? What's important that I missed? Well, I think you missed the backstory, which, you know, is not your fault. You know, you were bringing us up to date on what's been going on. But um, I think it's it's completely relevant to discuss, let's say, events since um, 2014. We can go even further back in terms of uh, in terms of the, the history of uh, of relationships with between Ukraine and Russia going back to the early 2000s when it comes to conversations about uh, NATO expansion and and, uh, and and things like this. And and I don't know, I mean, I think it's a very kind of basic um, scenario that a lot of people are forgetting. Certainly people in the press are forgetting the fact that at the end of the day, the map is what matters. At the end of the day, Ukraine will always be in the Russian sphere of influence. There's always going to be some friction there. Um, uh, there's no question that NATO expansion beyond what is reasonable um, and, and, and defensible has caused a lot of this stuff to, uh, to happen over the course of the last, um, you know, of the, of the last decade, certainly. Um, and and I don't think that's taking a, a kind of you know pro Putin pro Russia position. I think it's just it's 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 you know straight up geopolitics. Um, at the same time that NATO has been aggressively pushing eastward, we see that it's completely unserious, deeply unserious. Many of the countries, um, you know, you, you spoke about the energy uh, sources, you know. At the same time that they're that they're uh, that they're moving NATO east and they're getting involved with so much woke insanity, they're not taking their rhetoric seriously by, um, you know, shutting down their nuclear plants by depending on Russian energy. Um, you know, so it's like the overarching theme here in the world is that the elites are and have been deeply, deeply unserious. And, uh, and, and they've gotten us into this place. And um, the other big thing as well is that Ukraine is a state that was basically run out of the U.S. State Department, you know, in, in, in many ways. And um, are you talking like prior to Biden in 2014? Or? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying prior yeah. to 2014, but, you know, since 2014. Oh, and okay. what ended up happening was, look, uh, Ukraine was outside, was considered outside of Europe. Therefore, um, you know, but it was still near enough. Therefore, just like you would buy a company and the hopes that it would go public and you make a lot of money, that's what a lot of Western oligarchs did in Ukraine. They figured, hey, you know, we can get this, you know, Eastern Europe is already expensive. We can get some of this stuff for pennies on the dollar and using and, you know, and, and build a network of influence inside the U.S. government, inside the, the, the Western media and NGOs in order to pull Ukraine towards the West. Now, it wasn't doing it involuntarily because, of course, a lot of Ukrainians 
want to join the West. But, you know, but um, they created, a, a, let, let's say, a, a, an, a, an infrastructure of influence that would move it in this direction. And, and, you know, in many ways, what we're seeing is we're seeing, you know, Western oligarchs fighting Eastern oligarchs in Ukraine. And, um, and it's, 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 it's something that I don't think is talked about very often. I, one of the best pieces on this is Lee Smith's piece in Tablet from the other day, from, from this weekend, um, where he kind of talks about the history of this. And it's the same cast of characters, you know, it's the same, it's exactly the same cast of characters. And, and, um, you know, these guys have been playing in the American or the, the Beltway American influence pond for so long. Um, it's really a cautionary tale, you know? I mean, we, one of the, I, I mean, I talk about, I call, call the thing late Republic nonsense, but one of the things I, I, I that's, that's a kind of recurrent theme is that in a late republic, um, you know, we are late stage empire. We are Rome, meaning everybody in the world is here and everybody in the world wants a peace. And they are operating outside of, you know, they, they are operating inside Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, and, and they're, they're trying to influence events globally because we are Rome. Um, in order to for it to have an effect, you know, back home, and they're trying to leverage these relationships. Now, obviously, there's a lot of that that's utterly unavoidable because we are wrong. That's 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 what happens. But we should really be cognizant of at least our elites um, and the people in the, the professional foreign policy community need to be cognizant of the fact that you know they're they've been way out over their skis on this issue in particular, on Ukraine in particular, and, um, and making maximalist demands on, uh, on, on Russia that is not reasonable. You know, they will go, they'll make these, these, uh, these demands on Russia. I mean, for example, in the clip you played, Putin was talking about Crimea. Mm -hmm. Okay, Crimea is a, is a hardcore in, uh, uh, national interest when it comes to Russia. Right there on the on the Black Sea, it's not it's not a thing. You know, he was he was talking about going nuclear. Yeah, I mean, of course he's talking about going nuclear. I don't think he's going to do it, but it is an absolute red line for uh, for Russia and for Putin. And you know what? It would have been a red line for any leader of Russia. It's one of those things, and um, and and it's not something that he's going to be that that he's going to. Uh, uh, he's, it's not something that he's going to laugh off or, or, or a bargaining chip that, that he can afford to lose or his country can afford to lose. So when Western, um, when Western foreign policy elites uh, and, and bureaucrats go into these situations um, without a regard for the national interests of another country, the way they perceive them, I think at the end of the day, they get clobbered. Is was there a promise to not expand NATO um, at the end of the Cold War? I mean, there are conflicting, you know, there there are conflicting narratives about this. Um, of it, course, it seems like it was a handshake kind of a promise, but I I saw a quote where Gorbachev denied it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a lot it's, of quotes is saying that they agreed when they in ninety one when they eighty nine when they first started talking about reunifying East and West Germany. 
that NATO would not expand. That was at least a gentleman's agreement. But much has changed since then. And even, in, I mean, in the last 10 years, especially, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if you did a poll in Washington, D.C., in, in, in the foreign policy community, in Washington, D.C., or in Brussels, and you ask them, like, you know, do we get NATO, do we get uh, Ukraine to join NATO? It would be 99% yes. So the Russians see that. The Russians know that, that that's a thing that, um, that the foreign, I mean, in the same way that the foreign policy community would be 99% in favor of an Iran deal and, and would have been for the last 40 years, um, that's the same, you know, that's, that's the same position. And, and, you know, frankly, just like the Iran deal, uh, these uh, these mechanisms happen kind of um, uh, extra politically. They happen within the administrative state, and it really takes, let's say, political leadership. You know, people who get elected to to you know who who better represent the American public to say, you know, what we're not going to do this. But sometimes those people get ahead of of themselves too, and over their skis as well if they're highly ideological. Even Ukrainian President Zelensky has said, you know, absolutely, we want to be part of NATO. So if Ukraine joins NATO, I mean, you're talking about nuclear missiles that are 10 minute flight time for Moscow. Like, yeah, Putin won like that. That'd be like Russia putting nuclear missiles in Tijuana. Yeah. yeah. So not only that, it's the thing that like, I mean, and, and, and frankly, it's the same thing with 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 Taiwan and China. And, and my friend Michael Anton wrote a a piece about this at the Federalist, which is like, at the end of the day, we may have a great national interest in Taiwan and keeping Taiwan uh, independent, um, far less than Ukraine, of course. But still, that's the thing. Um, it is a thing that is important for us um, economically, really more than anything else. And, and in terms of our supply chain and our, um, our ability to, um, uh, you know, our ability to supply microchips and high-tech products to our uh, to our citizens but um, at the end of the day it's still always going to be in the Chinese or the Russian sphere of influence it's interesting you brought up Taiwan because the president the Taiwanese president recently after this whole thing was called for like increased vigilance um, kind of worried about Chinese military activity and and the China China's foreign minister was asked about Taiwan and he and he said, "Well, Taiwan's not Ukraine. Taiwan has always been an inalienable part of China. This is an indisputable legal and historical fact. That's China's stance on Taiwan. It has always been their stance on Taiwan." Um, and I think you're right. I mean, as as much as we want TSMC and whatever other semiconductor and other technology companies that are in Taiwan to be free from Chinese uh, government control, at the end of the day, would we go to nuclear war over or any war with China over Taiwan? I would. Not. Yeah, I mean, of, co of course not. But I don't think that um, I actually agree with Anton. I don't think the Chinese have any intention of going to war over Taiwan. I think what they're going to do is basically do the Hong Kong scenario mm. where they just, you know, at the end of the day, they just walk it yeah. and they and they take it. I mean, they, they, they understand, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a prize for the Chinese. And they're not going to destroy, you know, three quarters of it just so that they can prove their point. Right. It, it's it's uh, it's the land is less valuable than 
the infrastructure and everything else and the people there. And you want the functioning economy as part of China, not sure. just the land. Right. I mean, they can yeah. drop an EM, uh, 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 a, um, uh, an EMP, uh, like EM, a nuke. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. They can drop an EMP on it and then it gets them nowhere. And then, you know, hey, we've got an island. Okay. Right. What Have good vacations. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you guys both this. Why? I, it's amazing to me why that this has been such an issue for Americans in a way that almost makes no sense. Like from the outset, it's like, why does this matter? I'm seeing um, the U.S. sanctioned one of Russia's football clubs. Rogers Communication, I guess that's in Canada, but they they stopped broadcasting uh, RT because they're backed by Russian government. Ohio, Utah, and New Hampshire asked their liquor stores to boycott Russian-made or even Russian-branded vodka, uh, just like Stoli, which is not made in Russia. Um, Adidas banned shipments of tracksuits to Russia. Pornhub blocked access. Hurt. Yeah, the tracksuits, especially yeah. for the oligarchs. Uh, Pornhub blocked access, which will hurt. Uh Everyone in everyone on Twitter seems to have not everyone, but a lot of people have Ukrainian flags now in their Twitter profiles, just like they have pronouns or they had French flags and, and all that, you know, whatever. Vaccine emojis. Yeah. yeah. Eric Swalwell here from California, our <laughs> esteemed Chinese representative from he's not actually ethnically Chinese, he's just financially Chinese. Uh he suggested that we kick Russian students out of universities. And People defended him and said, yes, that's a completely reasonable thing to do, as if intern, you know, Japanese internship, you know, intern camps never happened. Um, what's going on? Why do Americans, should they care so much about this? Why do they care so much about this? Why is it our business? What the hell's going on in countries that most people couldn't recognize on a map as of a month ago? My first reaction was the pandemic's kind of winding down. So they needed something. Um, and what could be the Russian bear? You know, that's a great boogeyman. Like revive the Cold War. Talk about, you know, Raytheon watching for their stock price to go up. And maybe we can sell a lot of natural gas if they manage to kind of cause a big commotion there. Uh, so you see congressmen from all the energy producing states jumping on the war bandwagon. Maybe we'll export natural gas to Europe. I mean, that would be, I mean, that would be the best case scenario. I mean, that's the best, uh, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that I don't mind. Throw me in that briar patch. <laughs> yeah. But oh, there's a lot of possibilities here. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole spectrum. Well, we could go from like Biden, depending on what they do, maybe Biden won't get reelected or maybe they'll destroy the surface of the earth in a total nuclear war. Could be right. anywhere in between this. Well, I think, I mean, I think the non-starter is U.S. domestic energy production, unfortunately. I mean, that should have been number one. But uh, the fact that Biden closed down, uh, you know, domestic energy production and, and Keystone and all this stuff on the first day that he was in office, mm -hmm. literally the first day, one of the first things mm -hmm. he, he had done, um, just gives you an indication of how wedded these guys are to the climate insanity. And is it that or is there some oil. other globalist agenda or is it just the climate insanity? No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, I mean, all this, all this is kind of wrapped up into one, right? So a lot of these people who are, who are the most fanatical climate, um, you know, let's say the most fanatical, well-heeled climate folks also are heavily leveraged into alternative, um, you know, s solar and wind and, and, you know, all kinds of other, um, 
uh, you know, energy sources that, you know, frankly have no prayer in replacing, um, you know, oil and oil and gas. Yeah. But I mean, as far as the first question goes, um, it's interesting because this is a conflict between, I mean, Ukraine, I, a lot of people don't know this, but Ukraine is like the world capital of the, of the Soros, Paul Singer, NGO nest. I mean, this is, this is like, you know, you, people are seeing the, the, uh, the relig- uh, ridiculous agitprop and the fake stories and like all the, 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 the absurdity coming, uh, coming out like on Twitter and, and, and throughout the mainstream news. I mean, this is, this is what these people live for. This is, this is what we're seeing is a, uh, is a mechanism that was put into, that was created and put into use a long time ago that finally gets to ramp itself up. And, um, you know, and, and actually it's, it's really kind of ridiculous to see. Um, I've been getting a lot of shit from folks for being a skeptic of this stuff. I mean, I hate moral panics. This is a, a one moral panic. This is just as this is, this is, you know, right. Um, right alongside COVID right alongside BLM. Um, you have, you know, many of these things that it's like all of a sudden you must care about this in order to be a good person. And of course, you know, spending four years, um, you know, calling uh, Putin, uh, I'm sorry, calling Trump uh, an agent of Putin and, 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 you know, demonizing Russia in, in such absurd comical ways. Um, I mean, they, they really have, uh, they've really primed the pump as far as, uh, as far as let's say half the country's uh, concerns about this go, you know, they, they, the, the Democrats are already in a, in a, in a, in a, furious, feverish lather um, in regards to Russia and, and, and Putin. So that's not a surprise. Um, you know, what's a little more surprising, but maybe not that surprising, is, um, is, is, is where conservatives are at. And, you know, and conservatives are kind of being relied upon for, you know, in, in, for jumping on this bandwagon in kind of two ways. Number one is a lot of folks are still, a lot of folks on the right are still kind of Cold War nostalgic. They see the world as mm. not having changed at all in the, um, in, the, the, in the years since the Cold War. And they're still, you know, uh, you know they still think that Putin is a communist. And, and you know, they, they get, people get very attached to their old enemies and, and to old rivalries. Um, on the other hand, too, is you have a lot of people who, um, a lot of people on the right who look back and they, I mean, you know, maybe it's part of the first group too, but they, they look back and they think, you know what, um, I'm s- staring at NATO. And when I look at NATO, I'm not looking at the NATO of today. I'm looking at the Cold War version of NATO. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not looking at deeply unserious, woke, corrupt people. I'm looking at, you know, NATO at its absolute best as the guardian of freedom against, um, you know, against the Soviet Union, blah, 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 blah. And uh, this is a kind of larger point, which is one that I'm always going on about when I ask, do you know what time it is? And um, people are attached to the past. People People are afraid to admit that the country and, you know, the NATO alliance and the world is no longer what it once was. And, um, 
and then they lash out at people who point out that fact. I mean, in the mainstream news, they'll talk about about this just like they were talking about like Stalin or Gorbachev in the Soviet Union. Like it, it, people forget, like Russia's GDP is like less than less than Germany, less than Brazil. Like what, what kind of war could Russia really pull off extended? Yeah, look, I mean, it's a it's a country that exists solely on basically solely on energy exports, which nobody seems to care about. You know, it's but they but they also happen to have the world's largest nuclear arsenal. Right? Yeah, depending but, on how you count. So, yeah, but, but I mean, in real in reality, I though, I mean, I don't think anybody anybody serious is thinking that that someone is going to press the button. Um, I don't think so either, but I do kind of look at him like you could think of Putin as, as a punk. Actually, I've listened to a bunch, bunch of his speeches and I have a little more respect to him after listening to him, which I never did before. But he's also, I think he might be feel he's backed in a corner. Like he's like a, a kid in the class that's just been abused by everybody for years and years and years. And then he snaps. And unfortunately, this is a kid with a lot of weapons behind him. Um, sure. Look, and he's also got, um, I mean, one of the things about foreign policy alliances is they're always lagging indicators. So by the time that you know that by the time that you see that there's, a, you know, an alliance taking shape, that alliance has already taken shape and it's not new and it's not tentative. So the fact that the Chinese have come out uh, pretty much with um, uh, with the behind uh, behind Russia and, and in fact, you know, very, very crucially, so have the Indians. Which is, you know, which is kind of you know surprising. Um, you know, these talks have been underway for you know obviously some time, and and you know the, the fact that um, the fact that India and China and Russia are dissenting, let's say, from the West's um, world order, um, I think is significant. I think it's it's kind of uh, pointing the way towards uh, a, a rising East. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, Russia and China have been collaborating on uh, killing the dollar as the reserve currency, I think, for a while. Right. Um, it's in both of their best interests. Um, I think China has been amassing gold and I think they've been um, they've been in talks with Russia about separate currencies. So, I mean, a great way to bring the West down is financially rather than having to go into a hot war, uh, which I think is how China generally does business. So. Uh, yeah. Well, from I mean, the point of view of from the point of view of China, you know, I mean, um, they expend very little of anything, really. You know, they create problems for the West, um, or let's say they encourage problems for the West. They stand idly by while the West has problems. You know, you know, right now, I mean, right. nobody's talking. Nobody's talking about China. Um, you know, right now, everybody's concerned with Russia. Um, the West is is you know, is, is kind of busying itself with, um, with, with, with Putin while China goes about its business. Yeah. And there seems to be this false dichotomy going on in the U.S. where you either support Putin's invasion of, of Ukraine uh, or you want the U.S. to be involved in Ukraine's defense. And, it, and there's not really a position which is, I, th I think is the rational position for most Americans. It ought to be because most of us don't really understand how this really relates to us like there's no there's no room for this position of that sounds horrible 
let's focus on what's going on at home. Like let's let's stay out of it. That sounds really bad. Uh, let's let's just stay out of it. You could just look at all th- all three of these. If you just divide it into Ukraine, Russia, and the U.S., they're all bad. Like the U.S. government's bad. The 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 government in charge of Ukraine was pretty much put in there by a coup that was orchestrated by the CIA to to get rid of the neutral and pro Western. And Putin, you know, I mean, he's a former KGB agent, you know, like almost runs off the place like a dictator. You can have the position that they're all bad. Not taking sides on any of them. Stay out of it. Yeah, well, you think? Yeah, I mean, or like, I mean, like you, I would make, I would, I would say that, I mean, at the end of the day, what I care about is Americans, and I care about freedom at home a lot more than any of this stuff. And I, you know, I got into a lot of trouble for tweeting, like, you know, you're not going to make me despise Putin more than I hate the American left. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Literally, literally, cannot happen. And well, they're the bigger threat. Borders <laughs> in the news, right? Yeah, they they act like they're more worried about the the border between Ukraine and Crimea and the Donbas region than than they are about the U.S. border. Well, they certainly the are. Like I was like reading a Crimea. I I wrote down a list here. Like Crimea, you go all the way back far enough. It's like the Greeks ruled it, then the Persians and the Roman Empire, then the Byzantine Empire, then the Ottoman Empire, and then. 1700s Russian Empire annexed it in a war with Turkey. Then they made it an oblast and after World War II, and then they shifted it to part of Ukraine. I don't understand why they did that, but who says where the line oh, they, 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 is? I think that was all just, the place. Yeah, that was just political because they still had to report to the Kremlin, so it didn't matter. It was like, hey, can I be in charge of this? It's like, I don't like, In the same way that you have switched it. Yeah, in the same way that Ukraine had nuclear weapons, you know, those were not Ukrainian nuclear weapons. Those were Soviet (laughs) nuclear weapons hanging out in Ukraine. Yeah, right, right. I mean, is what? So let's play devil's advocate for a second. What do the hawks say? The reason, like, why does the U.S. need to be doing anything here? What's the because if we don't do something right now, tanks are be going to roll into Paris next year. We got to stop them. Well. The Wall Street Journal editorial page wrote, wrote that. They wrote that? They wrote that. I made that up. <laughs> which, right, of course, because it's a joke, because it's, like, absurd. But that's where we are. Um, no. You know, I think reasonable people kind of shook their heads and thought, oh, my God, this is crazy. But but people are losing their minds. That's what they sound like. Yeah, people are losing their minds. and I, And I think it's also, I mean, it behooves us to be serious about this stuff. And to say, you know, I mean, I, I just just what I see, you know, when they're saying oh, Putin is Hitler, Putin is a madman, Putin is this, Putin is that, um, you know, he can't be reasoned with. He wants all of Europe. He's, you know, he's uh, he's uh, all, you know, kind of all these terrible things. Um, you know, when you go into that mode, what you do is you shut off your analytical facility. You say you know what, if he is a madman, then he doesn't care about his, you know, his national interest as he perceives them. He doesn't care about normal things. So, so what, what, what do you have then? What you have then is your imagination telling you that any horrible thing that Putin can conceivably do, he will do. Now, what does that mean? That's bad analysis. That leaves you completely disarmed um, in, in being able to figure out 
what is he actually going to do? And if you're serious and you are responsible for the national security of the United States or frankly any country, your number one priority should be what is he, I mean, you know, what is he actually going to do? What does he want? And what is he actually going to do? And, and, um, and uh, you know, his failure in achieving his war aims is that it's not that he decided not to do it and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, why do you think the military um, does red teaming? You know, when they have a red team, um, which represents the enemy and a blue team, which represents, you know, our side, an effective war game, you know, a war game is only effective if you truly try to get inside their, their brain, which is how does their, you know, how, how do, how does an adversary perceive his, his interest? And how is he going to do that with the, um, uh, you know, how is he going to advance that with the, um, with the resources that he has? And turning Putin into Hitler completely short circuits that process. And I think it's, I mean, it's insane for that reason. I'm, I'm not, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people who say, no, it's insane because it just stokes war fever and things like that. And yeah, I mean, that's true enough. But um, I think the bigger thing is just, we no longer have an appreciation of, of you know, any of this. We no longer take our adversaries seriously. And it, it just ha- it happened for four years under, under Donald Trump. You know, the Democrats um, were, I think, were routinely routed by Trump in, you know, it, it just in, in, in small ways. Why? Because they couldn't conceive of Donald Trump beyond anything but their caricature of him. And, um, you know, and that's a bad, politically, that's a bad uh, situation to be in. If, I mean, if you want to start... To, to at least think about strategy, I, you got to start with at least listening to what Putin is saying and, and looking at what he's doing. And he's been quite clear, like he doesn't want NATO to expand anymore. He, he doesn't think they should expand at all. Um, my view is that they should have folded NATO when the Soviet Union folded. I mean, they repurposed it to go against Russia because there's a lot of money involved, I assume, and power. Um, and you can look at what he's doing. Like he's not really using overwhelming force. I'm not a military strategist, but it's not the like shock and all of the U S going into Afghanistan. He's just kind of rolling in and as if he wants the, the Ukrainian government to just step down and and let it return to Russia. That's the way it looks to me. Um, he's, he may cry. It's going on five, six days, but, I mean, could have bombed the hell out of Kiev, and they didn't. Um, they dropped a few bombs, and they're just rolling in in tanks, old World War II-style tanks that move 25 miles an hour. And they don't have yeah. the amount of troops to take Ukraine and keep it. That's an important point that people seem to forget. Um, whatever, 150,000-some troops is not going to take Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Especially the way Zelensky's reacting. He's saying any any adult male, like what do you say, between 18 and 60, come on over, we'll give you an automatic rifle. Anybody yeah. from America that wants to join, like like as far as I've been telling all my warmongering friends, like, well, if you're so adamant about this, like just go to Kiev. No, Abraham Lincoln give you a, a rifle rifle and you can join in. Like, how serious are you? Join. When when Putin when uh Biden asked him if he wanted to evacuate. I love that speech. Zelensky is, I don't need an evacuation. I need ammunition. 
That was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I mean, so, he's so, they've won the the Ukrainians have won the PR battle, which is like the most unexpected, which is the most you know uh, uh, expected thing that you can imagine considering the entire infrastructure of influence that's built up around Ukraine, you know, in, in the Western world. Um, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it, it was, it was in the cards, you know, the close relationship between media, NGOs, um, uh, uh, you know, U.S. policymakers um, on the Ukraine issue ensured that it would be a full court press in Ukraine's favor. Do, and do you, Ukraine do, doesn't even have a free press, right? I don't. I don't think their press is free in, in particular. I think the the government. It's not. It's not America in terms of what you can report. Um, and there are there are. I think even Amnesty International is complaining about prisoners, uh, political prisoners in in Ukraine. Um, reporters. One thing that I noticed, you know, you guys are saying like, pay attention to what Putin is saying and doing. Like one thing, this is a great example of something I, I complain about often in mainstream media, but I I noticed it again with respect to to this business with Ukraine and Russia. Notice how most corporate press they never link to almost never link to primary source material. It's really hard to find primary source material for anything. And I, a week or two ago, I was looking for some speeches that Putin had said. And all I could find were sound bites translated by CNN or Reuters or whatever. And I was like, well, where's the speech itself? Like, where's, where's the English translation of the script? Like, where, where is it? Where's the transcript? I couldn't find it. I gave up trying to find actual primary source material. It took a while. It took a while, but I think the whole thing wound up at the Russian foreign ministry's um, website. Okay. You can you can see it in, in, in English, um, but I was looking for the same thing too. You know, the initial reporting. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you could kind of uh, do a whole show on being skeptical of, or or how to decipher the reporting mm -hmm. today on all this there, stuff. There are I mean, some. I found some on YouTube today though, where they had had text, and I I listened to a podcast. It was on the uh, the Libertarian Institute. Um, the 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 uh, host had read parts of his last two speeches. Um, one was entirely about NATO expansion. Sounded reasonable. He brought up the agreement, you know, in in eighty nine and ninety one with the Secretary of State and uh, Gorbachev about not expanding NATO. And he talked about um, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis and how you know that ended up with the U.S. secretly agreeing to pull the nuclear missiles out of Turkey in exchange for Russia. I mean, he compared it to that. Like, that's that seems reasonable. That's what it looked like to him. And then the other one that I listened to was really interesting. Surprisingly, it was it was all about culture, about expansion of Western, what's become the woke Western culture. And Putin went off about gender ideology and destruction of, of the core family and and how that Russia needs to stop that from moving further and further east. Um, so that's another, that's another thing. I listened to it and I thought like, I had two thoughts, like maybe he should be on deprogrammed, like, <laughs> or <laughs> talk about it. Or like he, if he made that speech that I listened to and he went to like, came here to Florida and made it, I think he could be on the primary for 2024 for the GOP. <laughs> like he's got the same background. If he was American, say he came up through the CIA instead of the KGB, like GW Bush, um, he made a great speech about culture ideology, and that's one of the things he said he wants to stop. 
he sees it coming into Ukraine since 2014, and he doesn't want it in Moscow. Yeah, look, I mean, that's another issue that is really important that a lot of folks miss. I mean, I don't think folks on the right miss it, but um, but other folks certainly do. I mean, you see, you see the deranged, insane way that, you know, for example, Hungary or Poland is treated in regards to this issue and their resistance to a lot of the um, the woke insanity and and uh, you know and, and Putin is against it as well. Um, look, I don't begrudge him not wanting, you know, in addition to um, you know, in addition to to NATO and 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 the you know the let's say a, a foreign adversarial uh, military on his backyard. I don't begrudge him wanting to stop the Western woke, um, mm-hmm. you know, destruction of, uh, you know, of, of, of some of these cultures. You know, un- unfortunately, I don't really think that there's a way to stop it once you let it in. And it um, takes a long time to turn it around. And uh, he brought up, if, he, if you can't even do. Well, it, it has been, it was turned around, at least uh, he brought up that this has already happened in Russia. He said, people talk about this woke as if it's new. The Bolsheviks tried this in 1917 when they started following Marxian ideology. They started letting people pick their gender. They started destroying the family in the name of the state. Uh, He was talking about Kantian philosophy. And and, uh, he said that we've already been through this and it took a long time to recover from that. So he said in the speech, we don't want to see that happen again. Well, they went through you know, decades of communism and killed millions of their own citizen citizens to come out on the other side. And they're still not really on the side of individuals. So yeah, it took from 1923 to whenever 91, I guess, right. (laughs) To get out of it. 75 years or something. If that happens again, uh, it's an interesting speech. So, you know, my point was I, I would listen to him and, and the actions are not really like a shock and all overthrow of another country. He acts more like, like Zelensky is just going to step down and, and, you know, are we going to risk nuclear war over a place that's been part of Russia? Most of its history, you get back to like 862, I think is the year that Russia kind of started in Kiev, by the way. (laughs) Um, And then it moved to Moscow later, but that's been part of, Russia really for a thousand years. So would we wish nuclear war for an area that's been part of Russia throughout a lot of history to be part of Russia again? So uh, is Putin actually concerned about this or is he just using that language because he knows it will get people and some people in the West uh, like because people like us are likely to go, oh, that's cool. That resonates with us. He gets he gets that. Um I, I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not defending anybody, really. I'm just pointing out yeah. strategically, look at what he's doing. He didn't destroy Kiev. It's an invasion. I mean, he's killed a bunch of people, but more Russians have been killed than Ukrainians from, if you want to believe the reports. I don't know if that's true. I, would believe, I wouldn't believe the reports. I mean, I'm just skeptical. I, I, that's I'm, always good advice. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't believe, I don't believe any of the shit. You know, I, I everything, say, everything that I see, everything that I see, I say, well, it could be, it's possible. Mm, yeah, it's good. Let me rephrase. Some Russians have been killed, and some sure. Ukrainians have been killed. And I, I'm my guess is Putin didn't think it would be this hard. 
or he would have used more force. What, what, what do you think about, David, about the strategy that he's using? Like th there's, last I saw, there's four various attacks, north, northeast, and south. And the two southern ones, they're going into the Donbass region, which is, those people voted by some pretty high percentage to just go independent. They might just be fine. Most of them speak Russian anyway. A lot of Russian heritage. So like the two of two of the columns are moving through there and they're not really resisting much. And the other yeah. two on the Kiev are it, it's 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 a pretty well, if it's an invasion, it's a really wimpy invasion. I mean I th I th look I think so too. And uh, you know there's been much that's been made of of you know Belarus uh you know troops going in and and uh you know and 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 other you know kind of mercenary forces. But if you're relying on those guys, that's kind of bad news um, in terms of in terms of advertising your military capability. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, this is one of those things where like I usually don't comment because I don't know the resources they have on hand. I don't know what exactly what what the strategy is. I can comment on whether or not I think you know, their war aims are reasonable or not. And if they have any, uh, you know, any likelihood of achieving them, you know, for both sides. But, um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's early yet. So I actually, I do have a, a question about that because by, by the way, someone, someone in chat said, you guys are blue pilled on this topic. Try speaking with someone who like there's, it's weird that people who disagree are trying to say we're blue pilled because the blue pill is Putin man, bad, Ukraine, awesome, blah, 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 blah. That's the blue pill. We could be wrong about stuff, but it's not blue pill. It would be a different wrong. Um, but I do you think that <laughs> – do you think Putin can achieve this? Is, is Zelensky going to go home, die fighting? Like what's – is his – will it? Will we see Ukraine reabsorbed into some Russian uh, empire or will Putin – Take Donbass and go and keep Crimea and go home. I think it's probably going to be closer to the second than the first, you know, because as I said, he just doesn't have the troops to 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 you know to achieve the first um, the first option unless he goes really um, you know unless he goes really scorched earth and and you know and and, and calls up more uh, you know more soldiers. Um, I think that could have been a mistake on his part that he made is he didn't go in heavy right away. Um, he was probably stupid uh, or, or miscalculating when it came to um, uh, to what kind of resistance he would get in the West, especially in terms of their economic uh, uh, sanctions and how painful it would be for Russia. So, I mean, if you're going to do stuff like this, you got to do it quick. I mean, I thought everybody had learned that lesson. I thought for sure that Putin was, um, you know, was was aware of that kind of true, uh, uh, you know, axiomatic truth of modern life. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, he did not move. Uh, he did not not move quickly enough. Is it too it late seems. for the West to say it's okay? Ukraine will never be in NATO. We will. We agree. So this is, the, I mean, this is the, you know, this is the tricky thing. You know, um, initially, I think on the first day, there was floated. I don't know how true it is. I'm just assuming that um, that it was reasonable because I saw it in a, in a few places and it wasn't denied by anyone that I could see. Which was the um, 
the uh, the conditions, uh, Putin's conditions for um, for a ceasefire, and they were all reasonable. It was like, yeah, you know, acknowledge we get to keep uh, Crimea, acknowledge that the Donbas regions are um, are uh, uh, um, are are no longer part of uh, Ukraine. Um, you know, you, you don't join NATO, and you don't. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Did, did he just said they should stay independent, right? He didn't even say that he would let them join Russia, even though they voted to in two fourteen. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's independent. You know, I think they probably make more sense. Uh, you know, I, I mean, from Putin's point of view, it probably makes more sense for them to be independent than to be, um, you know, than to be uh, absorbed into Russia just from a diplomatic sense. Um, but. Uh, um, but but yeah, I mean the other the other uh, thing that he wanted was you know no NATO, and um, you know and no foreign um, weapons going into Ukraine. And I thought, aside from the no foreign weapons thing, which basically disarms Ukraine, um, the other points are basically you know are totally reasonable. I mean even the 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 weapons. I mean from Putin's point of view is 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 reasonable also. But like. The Ukrainians should have no problem um, agreeing to the other points, and you know maybe the weapons thing would be a sticking point that they could negotiate. But you know, regardless, the other ones were were you know utterly reasonable um, for a state in Ukraine's position, and um, that it was it was an interesting proposal because it was something that the Ukrainians could accept you know, pretty easily on one hand, but on the other hand, the Western powers, NATO and the United States could not bring themselves to accept that because they've already gotten way out, you know, um, you know, far beyond their, uh, uh, you know, far beyond their, their skis. You know, the rhetoric has just, you know, overtaken that they, they, it would be seen if Ukraine would accept those uh, ceasefire terms, it would be seen as a massive defeat for the West and for NATO. So I thought that that was very smart from Putin's perspective, which was to pick, um, you know, pick ceasefire terms that actually, you know, split off, uh, you know, sp split off the alliance. But I don't know how far past that we are here on day, you know, three or four. It's, you know, it's not uh, to like dissolve NATO now, right? I mean, they didn't do it before. They're not going to do it at the point of a gun. But well, he's not asking them to dissolve NATO anyway, right? You know, like, right. Well, no, or, or even push back at all the new members, right? It's too late. Diplomatically, it's too late. He's got to just deal with that. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, when I or, said uh, no NATO, I meant no NATO for Ukraine. For right. Ukraine, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, it, it just from a, and again, from an outsider's perspective, I, I have some empathy for the for the Ukrainian people at this point because mm -hmm. they seem like they're just be they're pawns in this game between Russia and the West, and neither side really has the Ukrainian people's best interest in mind at all. Um, we're just the ones pretending that we do, and Putin just doesn't have the pretense mm -hmm. of it. And and even what are the Ukrainian people? Because reading right. Donbass and Crimea, they're not really Ukrainian. They're more Russian. Um, I wonder if the reason that there wasn't much objection with Crimea, because in 2014, Crimea 
and both the boss republics both did the same thing. They had a referendum and voted to go independent and Crimea petitioned to Russia to join and, and Putin accepted it, but not the other two. Now, maybe he wanted the port, right? It's the only um, not no ice in winter port for the Russian Navy. So that's that's a line he was probably not going to let go. And I assume I'm guessing the West kind of saw that one like, no, we better not stop the Russian Navy from being able to go to sea in the winter. That's not going to go well. Um, but the, there was less reason for him to accept the other two. And I have a question for you. This was a theory Scott Horton came up with, which was very interesting. Uh, he said his theory is that one of the reasons that he didn't accept the Donbass region is that he wanted to keep uh, Ukraine having a high percentage. You know, I don't know what the number is, but roughly half and half Russian and more Western, you know, the, the, the Polish side um, so that. There are a lot of government parliament members that are from Donbass, just like the former president was from there. Um, and that keeps Ukraine having a, a pretty high percentage, a substantial percentage anyway, of pro-Russia people. That was Scott's theory. I thought that was a good one. I think that's, uh, I, I mean, I think that's a good one too. Uh, you know, having them be independent states is is the second best, you know? The best would be if they, if they, you know, if 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 Putin or, or Russia, I mean, you know, forget about Putin. Any Russian leader would want uh, to be in a position of influence, um, you know, with, you know, maybe, you know, with with a large number of, uh, you know, of kind of like, you know, their their citizens or their um, uh, their people inside another state, influencing the the you know, influencing that. Uh, that country. Do yeah. you think, like the first question Carter asks is um, parts we're not talking about. Um, I was very interested in the part of the vote that th these referendums in Crimea and Donetsk and Luhansk, I don't know if I'm saying them right, but, um, and the numbers are all over the place, but it looked like in 2014, all three were overwhelmingly in favor of declaring independence and maybe joining Russia if that's real, um, I kind of go back when I look at that, like I, I look at all this mess, but that to me is like a very important point. So I'm a believer in like the principles in the Declaration of Independence. Um, I kind of side with Thomas Jefferson, James Madison on this question. Like if those people voted to go independent, I don't care what, what anybody even in Kiev thinks or let alone DC, um, they voted to be independent um, okay. If the vote's right, I, I mean, who knows? I, I'm skeptical on the vote because, you know, the, the one report, the official report and don't ask was like 95% of the people voted and it was 98% in favor of leaving. Like that's hard to believe. <laughs> so, right. So this is a principle. Yeah. Already wanted to go. What do you think? What do you think about that part of this? Yeah, I mean, this is a principle that's been part of, let's say, global consciousness since 1848, right? Which is, you know, the, I mean, there's a reason why 1848 mm -hmm. is a is a is a kind of key uh, pivotal moment in in Western civilization, which is that you know we, um, uh, which is that you know the idea of of ethnic self determination really blossomed at that point, you know, whereas as people saw themselves as part of larger 
to multi-ethnic empires that people start mm-hmm. to think, hey, why not for me? You know, why why can't we, de- you know, we are a distinct people. Why can't we determine our, our, our own destiny based on these, you know, based on these kind of geographic borders? And I think it, it it's very meaningful for us today as we talk about the United States and as we talk about the the tremendous um, uh, the tremendous amount of polarization we have in the United States and uh, and look I mean my my buddy Mario Loyola wrote a great piece on the Ukraine issue for the Federalist a, a few a couple weeks ago and in it he basically advised the Ukrainians to say you know what you you guys are better off and frankly everyone is better off with a small a territorially smaller country that is more unified rather than having um, a larger country that is um you know that is that is divided where people hate one another where people see one another as 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 being you know either enemies or aliens of some kind and um, i think that has a lot to say about our own country at this time and um you know, I mean, I think I think it kind of makes the obvious point. Um, and um, I mean, we should be in favor of more of that. You know, we should be in favor of more, uh, you know, more self-determination. And uh, and I mean, really, that's that's how it's going in, in kind of every place. You know, on one hand, you've got um, kind of very strong identity movements in the West saying, you know, and and. Uh, and identity politics. Well, the natural result of this is that, you know, we kind of go our own, we all go our own way based on our identity. And, you know, oftentimes that identity isn't, you know, racial or ethnic or whatever, but it's, but it's, it's, you know, spiritual, it's uh, political, it's ideological, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, just, if you just look at the number of nations in the world in the last hundred years. I don't remember the the numbers, but it's just been an explosion. There has been massive fracturing of these large empires have been, people have been uh, declaring independence. And for the most part, like I think the most part Americans, at least the kind of people who watch this show are generally on the, on the side of what Keith said, like, well, if someone wants to be independent, I mean, hell, we talk about secession for Texas and Florida and New Hampshire. So uh, certainly if someone halfway around the globe uh, now, again, like Keith said, I don't, we don't know the legitimacy of the voting and that, but like if they want to secede from Ukraine, why would we be against that? Uh, the counter, the flip side of that is I've seen people use this argument or sorry, use the situation as an argument for why things like Texit will never work. And this look, Washington won't even let these regions in in Donbass secede from Ukraine. How how could you possibly think they let Texas leave? Uh, I mean, do you think that's an accurate comparison? I mean, how well, far are we willing to go to impose the will of Washington on everyone? Sure. I mean, I've written a lot about this issue and spoken about it. And 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 if we're waiting for the federal government to. <laughs> oh, good. Vladimir Putin's here. Yeah, yeah. You have to read that one, card. Who can do a good Russian accent? Can you do one, David? No, I'm not good. I can't either. I am Kyle. here, comrades. Feel yeah. free to ask questions. 
is training exercise, nothing more. Uh, that was like Chairman Mao mixed with Putin. That was an interesting mix. Okay. <laughs> well, we got it, Keith. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry. Go, go ahead, Dave. So, no, no. I mean, the, the, I mean if, if we're waiting for Washington to sort of give their big old thumbs up for a state to secede from the Union, I mean, I think that's, that's clearly never going to happen. <laughs> um, so it's not, uh, you know, I mean, that's just not a thing. Um, yeah. And, and we don't even have to go back to the Civil War to, you know, see why. I mean, it's very obvious that, uh, that in this country, the left hates us and wants to rule us and, um, you know, and would never kind of willingly let us go. So um, I don't think that's exactly, an, you know, that scenario is not an option for us. But then again, I mean, that scenario is just completely absurd anyway. Um, I do believe that there will be um, a, a kind of national divorce um, at some point, and it'll be such a fait accompli that um, that it will seem inevitable. We're just not there yet. I see. So you think it'll ha like that kind of thing will happen, but we won't have to be arguing about whether it will happen at the time. It'll be like clearly this is post financial collapse. The you know the, 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 okay. the country will be in ruins, and and you know some you know some other scenario like that where the federal government will be completely exhausted um you know i think it's a matter of time until that happens i don't think it's one of those things that will never happen i think it's a hundred percent going to happen it's just a matter of time we may not be alive right um you know but it is a thing that's going to happen because i think that saying that the united states uniquely is going to uh is is, is an empire that is going to last forever um i don't know maybe good propaganda um, you know, but good patriotic propaganda, but it's, you know, it's not a thing. Yeah. Based on yeah, all uh, history, I agree. empires don't last, right? Empires never last. And the bigger they are, the harder they fall. The American empire is pretty big. I think, yeah. I think 250 years is the average. Life's pretty hard. So. Right. Well, what ends up, I mean, I, I do think that we have a sense, um, at least, you know, those of us on the right or, 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 or thereabouts have a sense that, there's something that there's something that is happening, or that has already happened that have tra that has transformed the 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 let's say the uh, American regime of the founding into something else. And I think it's 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 you know it's it's completely something else now. You know you have the parchment, um, yeah. uh, you know, and and you have also reality. And the reality is that we're no longer governed by the parchment, you know, we're just using it as a kind of, um, uh, we're just using it as a kind of, uh, I don't know, propagandistic excuse. Um, saying, you know, this is maybe what we tell ourselves. I mean, shit, we don't even have phys uh, civics classes anymore in which we teach how things actually should work according to the parchment. Um, so it's really up, it's really up for grabs. Yeah. I mean, I, I I completely agree with you, which I know pisses people off sometimes because it sounds very black pilled. Although the the white pill thing I'll say about it is, I don't. I mean, if you really are American in the sense that matters, you're American in in terms of the values and ideology that built the country and the ideas, and like those don't need to. Those can exist anywhere. They could exist in a subset of of what currently is America. It's okay if Washington DC ceases to exist and California falls into the ocean like that's fine. Like we can we can do something else. Um 
I, the way, the I way did, in which if that happens, the way in which we are still Americans doesn't change. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I heard a, a counter to your, uh, I'm going to throw a counter argument out to your, uh, it will, it will be an inevitable thing. And we, you know, secession will happen before then. I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she suggested that actually a way secession could happen earlier would have been if a president like Trump were in office and just simply enforced laws that a state like California didn't like. And you can get a leftist state to sure. secede. Uh, then the left will have supported secession. And like at that point, um, you know, who knows how many states would secede, but the rest of the country could kind of go on at that point. As we just have to let the left secede. We have to like pressure them into seceding and let them let them do it. Right. So this is what I've been saying for about 10 years now, which is that if it's okay. ever going to happen, it's going to happen from the left because they've got no qualms about, about it. But I think, I think that's dealing with a different left, you know, that's, that's, I mean, these guys, um, these guys want to rule us yes. more than anything. And, um, and, you know, the smarter ones realize that the smarter ones realize, for example, that, um, you know, that California can't go on, go it on its own. Um, and, uh, because California is not going to be, you know, California splits off. It's not going to be California. It's not going to be the breadbasket of America. Um, at least the part of California that would go off. Um, unless, you know, at that point, if they decide to leave, then they've got their own battles in, you know, in, in, um, kind of the interior of the state to, to, to yeah, fight. In the Northern state. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Northern and Central California. Yeah. So, um, so it's going to be. Um, I mean, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, I th I think that's that's a non-starter. Um, no matter how much they hate, um, you know, no matter how much they hate, let's say a right-wing president. Even if we do have at one point one day a right-wing president, um, the the mechanics of the government. You know, what I like to call the the ideological cartel between big business and big tech and government um, is so strong that, that, you know, they will collapse any legitimate right-wing regime. I mean, they did it to Trump. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a way out of that. Um, I think they're, they're, they're far too strong to be overcome by, you know, I mean, what what is a president going to do? He's going to fire some people, you know? Right. Big the deep state's just too big and powerful. It doesn't. Yeah, matter I mean, big, big freaking deal. I mean, this is why I, I think. I mean, I, look, as you said, right? It seems like a black pill, but within the black pill is actually a white pill, because the black pill allows you to shed your illusions about going back. You know, yes. I mean, a lot of people, you know, conservatism is founded on this idea, you know, and it's a loser philosophy because it's founded on this idea that you can pick a, 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 a moment of time and set your time machine to that time and then go back. And that, right. And, and, and the absurdity of that I think should be <laughs> self-evident. Um, and, um, you know, but it's, it's a white pill in the sense that you can, once you realize that this is not coming back, you can you can imagine alternative scenarios. What's your biggest white pill alternative scenario? Like what's what makes you get up in the morning and, and say, I want to continue 
not just because I want to be on the fly on uh, a fly on the wall while the Republic collapses, but because there's some positive thing moving forward here. Right. Well, I think those two things are, 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 you know, it's definitely both of those things, right? Like, I mean, to be a fly on the wall when the thing collapses, um, I would rather be a fly on the wall when the thing collapses than, you know, then I guess not then, you know, whatever died before the thing collapses, <laughs> never, <laughs> never having seen it. Uh, I'm a curious person. I want to see how the movie ends. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, look, we have a chance. The white pill is that, that we can create alternative structures and alternative infrastructures. And if, and if that means, you know, partnering with folks who are outside of the country, that's what it will probably mean. Um, you know, we need to build things such that, I mean, this is a point that I make and when I write about national divorce, which is that, you know, if it happens tomorrow, we're screwed. You know, we, yeah. the red states, because we don't have any of the infrastructure that's required to maintain, um, you know, anything resembling modern life uh, in, in, in our territories. You know, we, we have no communications infrastructure, you know, digitally. We have no banking. We have no, you know, I mean, we don't have supermarkets. I mean, sure, you know, we have the guys who will deliver the food. But aside from that, we have nothing. I mean, look at, you know, we have strategic vulnerabilities coming out of our eyes. I mean, look at, yeah. um, look at Amazon. If Jeff Bezos decides to, if Florida does something really, you know, awesome from our perspective and, uh, and right wing, and Jeff Bezos says, you know what? This is not going to fly. I'm going to shut down Amazon in all of Florida. Well, guess what? Within a week, you know, right-wingers in Florida will be, will be pulling their hair out and saying, you know what? We need Amazon back because shit, you know, we, we can no longer get the products that, you know, the, 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 the store, the, the, the small mom and pop store has been, you know, has long gone out of business. We need things that we can't get either from China or from elsewhere in the United States. Um, if Amazon isn't going to deliver them, we're pretty much screwed. Yeah. And yeah. they have, they have a tremendous amount of, uh, of leverage over us. So I think the thing to do, the white pill is slowly, slowly, but in a conscious way, build the leverage and we're never going to build the leverage. We're never going to build an alternate economy an alternate communications network and alternate what have you, unless we approach it with uh, conscious resolve where we understand the stakes and we, and we know that this is a thing that we're going to need in the future. And, and it's, it's a paradox between, because on one hand, um, you know, it's something we need, but on the other hand, people don't start doing it unless they realize that we need it, unless they realize that things are bad. You know, when I started talking about building alternate systems, people hadn't yet experienced COVID. They hadn't yet experienced deplatforming. They hadn't yet experienced debanking and all these things. And they were like, nah, it's not going to get so bad. Okay. But now I think, and increasingly so in the future, we're going to see real urgency for, yeah. for building these things. And the people who do build these things, because guess what? It's not me. You know, I'm not, you know, a guy who's going to, you know, put up a supermarket chain, a right wing sneaker company or something just because, um, you know, it's, it's necessary. That's not my particular skill set. But I can tell other people why it needs to be built. And um, 
those people have to kind of have this on their radar. They've got to know what time it is. They've got to know that we need an alternate system. Yeah. And I, you, it, you know, the truckers convoy made that very clear for banking, like just to, just to see yeah. what happened. And they're now continuing some of those financial crackdown mechanisms that they had in place for emergency. And they're now, pro, pro, they're now proposing that they continue these, um, these measures, which basically means they'll be able to seize your bank account and shut you down if you're a wrong thinker. That should terrify people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you see the, the problem you brought up with a, a state leaving the union? Do you see trade mitigating or, or partially mitigating that problem? Because, you know, like supermarkets, um, I, I wouldn't, I would, th- like Florida, for example, there's a huge supermarket chain here, Publix. Um, they would still want to get whatever produce they're shipping. Um, you know, there's one of the biggest McDonald's in the world is in Moscow. Like, like I, I think the companies would be willing to trade with Florida. Like I can't picture Georgia not wanting to sell peaches to Florida just because they love well, the maybe, maybe at that level, that's true. But um, I guess one of the first, uh, one of the first um, kind of uh, flexes from, uh, from kind of woke, the you know the woke corporate world was in regards to I think in North Carolina when they had the, the trans bathroom ban, you know immediately Hollywood shut down in North Carolina. Um, you had all these businesses. Well, right, no, no, but but you know I mean economically it's it's yeah, know, you know, know. It's, it's it's not it's not nothing. I mean North Carolina economically for the film industry is not the biggest deal, but it would be in New Jersey. It would be in New York. It would be in, you know, in, in, in other places yeah. like that. I mean, look what happened in with Christy Nome, right? Um, I don't know that. Well, what, you know, I don't know with, with Christy Nome when it came to the um, to the the, the trans uh, kids in, in sports, when you know the the legislature tried to ban it, and she basically uh, demurred, and uh, and and she was told in no uncertain terms by some of the biggest employers in the state, you know, which are woke companies that we're, you know, we're just going to get up and move and you've got a small state with a small population Mm. and this is going to kill you. So look, I mean, she, we, we, we say that she is, you know, was unprincipled in making that decision um, on one hand, but on the other hand, it's not an enviable position to be in. You know, you've got to balance the uh, economy of your state with um you know with your you know with 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 your principles i mean it's a hard one you know you're going to be putting a lot of people out of work and and creating a lot of misery in your in your in your state um you know texas i'm sorry i I was just gonna there would be turmoil but i wonder how smooth it could be there would certainly be some turmoil and and perhaps i'm being a bit of a free market idealist but i can see uh, like obviously, there's opportunities there. I love your example with Amazon, but first thing I thought of was, well, there's a hell of a new business. Is you order from Amazon? If you live in New Jersey, you order from Amazon and you ship to Florida. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but at the end of the at the end of the day, a a am an Amazon replicant can't be spun up in you know in in, in a minute. Yeah, and that's I would refer to a distributed problem. one. Right, it's like somebody like me, sending it to their brother, and then it's distributed from inside Florida. 
Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, thousands of people would do that immediately. The next day, I think that's what would happen. Everybody would start by shipping to their friends and family, just reshipping. But then you've got the but, business going. Yeah, but then you've got the problem is it's not it's also not arriving. You know, it's it's not exactly checking the box because part of what people get from Amazon is is that the fact that you know you order something and it's there the next day. Yeah, um, it would be two days instead of one day. And I, yeah, I think yeah. it would start that way until something took off. Anyway, the basic question really is is do you see trade as partially mitigating that problem you raised? Look, I mean, I, I would have said I would have said that it would years ago, but now I'm not so sure. I mean, we see. I mean, Hollywood is a great example, right? Like these guys know what sells. They know exactly. You know, they'll go and you know whatever. whatever uh, uh, you know, Eastwood will make a will make a film that is about a, a soldier. What was the name of that film? The last one that he made. Um, not the last one, but, but, you know, uh, anyway, you make a patriotic movie or like a normal movie and it does gangbusters and yet nobody wants to make it. Yeah. They're pushing woke stuff down. You know, they're, these people are losing money. I think I saw that, that, um, the, 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 you know, top Oscar rated films this year, like barely broke, you know, I mean, just did, did horribly, um, in the last year, but they do not care. They would push yeah. the woke stuff. I, I no longer think that um, that uh, financial interest uh, supersedes um, ideology for, for a lot of these people. No, I don't think it does at all. Uh, I don't think it ever has in voting. And I think um, it only works that way in companies if there's an underlying culture where that's acceptable. But as soon as that culture turns and the most important thing to do is to pedal woke uh that becomes the most important thing that you do i mean um i i guess your 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 amazon you guys are arguing over amazon stuff reminds me of something that i think is an, an interesting state that the american people have allowed themselves to be put into i i'm gonna try and stop using language that says like they did this to us or they did this to us because the, the truth is if you really want to black pill and be able to move forward and you really want to have a uh your eyes fully open about reality you allowed this, like we all allowed this. I mean, maybe not each of us individually, you know, here, but like the populate this happened because people voted for it and acted this way and wanted it. And like this is this is this is the bed that we all made. And and part of that bed is uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but we have a monetary policy that discourages savings. Um, we have a um, we have built an economy and a lifestyle based on living paycheck to paycheck and immediate gratification. And that means that the, if you want to get conspiratorial, the great reset people, it's not a conspiracy, whatever. If you, that means that the, the great reset people, the, the people who have these, these globalist agendas that want you to quote, own nothing and be happy, uh, you're more dependent, the, the less savings you have, the less, the, the more the more everything needs to be instantly, you know, you need it instantly, you need gratification right away. You can't actually deal without having Amazon for a week. The more you are like that, the more leverage they have over you. They don't have a lot of leverage over someone who, let's say you have, let's say you're a really good Mormon and you've got a year of food in your 
basement and you've got a garden and you have your own local business and whatever, they don't have a lot of leverage over you. But when you work for Google and you're li- or wherever and you're living roughly paycheck to paycheck and you don't have a lot of savings, so you couldn't you couldn't ride out any disruption. Uh, I think that's when they get a lot of leverage over you. You can't, you know, they a very small disruption will have you yield because, you know, as my, my wife is from, from China and we've, we've talked about individual rights in China before. And she says, you got to understand no one cares when they can't eat after they can eat. Then they start caring about individual rights. But like when your children are starving, you just shut the fuck up. No one cares. They just want food. They just want food. And so when you get someone into a position where they are dependent on you, uh, and we are, we're all very dependent on the infrastructure that's been built. Most people don't have many food stores. They don't have much savings. They don't like they're in debt. Like when you're dependent on things continuing the way they are, any threatened disruption to how things are are going will have a, you know, it'll be really impactful enough for you to just say, well, I'll, I'll acquiesce. I'll put the trans bathroom in or I'll stop, stop doing this. You know, I'll stop doing whatever it is you don't like. Please just don't shut down my Amazon Web Services account, my PayPal account, my bank, my <laughs> grocery store supply chain, which, by the way, Whole Foods is owned by Amazon. I don't know what some of these other chains are, but probably also woke. I don't know where I'm going with all that. but No, no. I mean, you're right. I don't think that in... You know, in a time, you know, the, the whole, you know, you'll own nothing, you'll rent everything um, uh, principle. I don't think that would have been possible, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, or, you know, even, even less, because, you know, it was possible to make $100,000 a year and live in a fairly decent house and raise a family and to do these things and to have a car, you know, to have, you know, more than one car. Um, the fact that, you know, the, the fact that it is impossible, I mean, here in South Florida, you know, it is literally impossible to live, you know, a normal middle-class life for, you know, for a normal middle-class salary. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's, it's all of a piece. And, and if you, and, and if, you know, you say to somebody, let's say they're making a hundred thousand dollars and they're living in in Miami or you know the the far suburbs, and you tell them, well, um, you know, you want to live in a decent place, and you want um, uh, you know you want some of these, you want access to some of these things. Well, you know, they can't go and they can't spend you know a million four on an apartment but they can rent right. and, you know, and, and, and they make, and they, they sort of make that, they, you know, they, they make that deal. Um, it is, it is in, and, uh, and of course, you know, a lot of people on the right will say, well, don't live there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. You know, don't live there, but increasingly everywhere you go, you see the same dynamic. And especially after the, the, you know, COVID and makes it possible to sort of live anywhere and telecommute what ends up happening is that even far, far, far suburbs and rural places become unaffordable. So it's one of these things that's just, it's, 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 um, it's, uh, it's a massive thorny issue. That's a hundred different inputs, you know, uh, and, um, but it's terrible. 
what are some projects that you see that are helping to build that infrastructure? Do you, are you aware of some stuff that you most like, Hey, this is, this is building the infrastructure that we need. Sure. I mean, there, there are a couple. Um, I mean, the, the first one that I could think of is, you know, the obvious one, which is rumble. Um, rumble is building an alternative video, um, you know, kind of YouTube alternative. Um, obviously we've seen getter and truth social and parlor and some of these other options that are sort of trying to replicate um uh, locals trying to replicate either facebook or twitter um i think what's going to happen the success of these things i'm i'm kind of in general i'm kind of um skeptical of in the long term because you'll never make it better than the product itself you know, if right. you want to make something new and totally different, that's another issue. But yeah. if you're just ripping off the functionality, I mean, Truth Social is just like, you know, and Getter, I mean, it's literally ripping off Twitter. And right. if you want people to jump from one thing to another um, like that, you're going to have to offer them a lot more in the way, you know, not only a functionality, but also in terms of community. And I think... The, the folks who, who have launched some of these alternative, um, uh, you know, alternative communications nodes have not really thought that through. You know, they're yeah. focused on they're focused on the yeah. political. But the truth is, is that like when I go onto YouTube, maybe twenty percent of the time I'm watching political videos. The rest of the time I'm, I'm watching music videos. I'm I, you know, it's like. Uh, I mean, you know, random non-political stuff. And it's the same with Instagram. It's the same with, uh, with uh, you know, with, with Facebook or, or, or what have you. Um, until they become robust enough to include, you know, millions of users and millions of different types of content, I think at the end of the day, it's just going to be a ghetto. Yeah, I, I tend to agree as a, I mean, I was a tech guy for years and that the, everyone that built social networks all knew that the biggest, the hardest part was critical mass. Like, and how much cash did you need to burn? How many years did you need to burn cash to get to critical mass? And what was your secret sauce that was going to get people there? Because it's not easy to get someone to change their behavior. Um, And like you said, I mean, look, YouTube didn't grow because of podcasts like this. They grew because of cat videos. Yes. Right. Like it was it was that kind of stuff. And unless you attract cat videos uh, and you've got a, be- I mean, I'm being facetious a little bit, but unless your platform is better for cat videos or whatever, um, it's you're going to have a hard time actually building a viable alternative. What do you what do you think about cryptocurrency? I'm going to plead the fifth. OK. One One thing I think that was interesting on. Uh, in Canada was that I think a lot of people are realizing that these crypto on ramps like Coinbase, which is the biggest one. Um, and this was, uh, you know, I'll lay my cards on the table. Like I, I was a cryptographer for 10 years prior to the rise of Bitcoin. I know crypto itself pretty well. Um, and my skepticism, one of the reasons I didn't get involved in Bitcoin earlier than I did uh, was when when this kind of stuff was proposed and people started using it and playing around with it, my I, I saw my a kind of a black pilled end goal to it, and I was like, "Well, 
at the end of the day, you got to buy something real and men with guns will be there to take it from you or shoot you if they don't like how you're doing it. So it like it actually doesn't it's not an alternate economy in the same way that you think it is like there's if you if it gets into the real world, which in order for it to be useful, there's got to be a bridge between that and the real world. You can't buy a house with it because if there's cops that will show up and shoot you for not paying your house taxes, then that's going to arrest you or whatever, then that that's what's going to happen. So, um, however, uh, we have seen it start to, we have seen a lot of crypto start to kind of become more popular and some stuff go under the radar, but I think a lot of these people, then we, you saw was like Coinbase come in, big companies like Coinbase and say, hey, because the early crypto guys were all kind of, libertarian-esque you know it's what's going to be the new we're building the alternative financial system but you've seen a lot of these guys came in and they said well we're happy to work with you sec and irs and every other three-letter agency that wants a piece uh, and fica and everyone like we're happy to work with all of you guys here's all of our customer data and when canada asked for cryptocurrency wallets they didn't have to go after they weren't looking for people with treasures or ledgers or offline wallets most people had everything right there with some heavily regulated company uh, willing to just hand stuff over. So uh, it to me, it was a it's a blow to the the crypto community. Canada is kind of this blow to this vision that the crypto community has been pushing. That's like, oh, it's going to be this alternative thing. And like I it could be still technically, but it's not as easy to remain under the radar as you think. And it's not as easy to protect your assets as you think you really have to be deep into it. And you got to be able to, you know, meet Keith at a Starbucks and exchange the thing you want to buy syrup, you know, <laughs> surreptitiously with your, and they're only going to, there's only going to be a certain amount of people who are willing to do that, which is, which is, right. you know, which is the thing. And, and, and I agree with you completely, um, especially in terms of the on ramps and, and, you know, even when people are saying, well, um, you know, you can make yourself uncancelable. You can create uncancelable content on the blockchain. I say, well, yeah, okay, theoretically, sure, absolutely. But you're still going to need decoders. You know, you're still going to need, um, you know, if, if Joe Rogan decides, you know what, I'm going to go and do my, my broadcasts on the, on the blockchain, you can't stop me. I say, well, okay, you can't stop me. But then all of a sudden he loses 80% of his audience. Uh, because, um, you know, Apple will make it impossible to access know, his blockchain to, to access, to access, it, you know, and then yeah. Samsung will do the same. And then pretty much, you know, where you got, you know, like you're depending on, uh, you know, it, like if, if your if all of your listeners are going to have to be, um, you know, computer science PhDs. Um, in order to figure out how to get this thing to work, then, you know, that, you know, the, the whole value of Joe Rogan is gone as a, as a kind of mass influencer. And, you know, and, and, you know, the bad guys know this, they're trying to shut off. I mean, these are choke points and they're trying to shut off the choke points. And um, this is what I, what I kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm a skeptic too of this stuff. And I was, since the beginning, I was always asking, well, you know, even if you have your money there, even if you've got like a, you know, a, 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 what do you call it? A, a cold wallet or, 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 or something, 
called um, uh, yeah, hard rule. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, I mean, what happens when the government says no? If you take this, you know, if you if you transfer Bitcoin to cash, um, you know, you will be arrested. You will be punished. I mean, you know, at at, at at, at some point, there is a finite amount of folks who will transact in Bitcoin. And you're just not going to be able to replicate your, you know, re- replicate your life. Now, I know the Bitcoin people are constantly pushing for more people to accept it. And, uh, and I think that's all to the good. Um, but um, at the end of the day, like, you're going to need to translate this stuff into real, you know, real things. And frankly, yeah. it's the same. I mean, you'd have the same problem with gold. You know, yes. I mean, let's let's say, or or anything. You, know, you can't let's buy say, bread with a gold coin at the store. Well, right? if yeah. if if the guy who has the bread doesn't take gold, then what? Right. Yeah. Right. I they are useful for getting around capital controls. If you have some place to go that will let you use your Bitcoin in freedom or your, um, then then you can absolutely escape assuming you can physically escape, uh, it's easier than transporting a wheelbarrow full of gold. Uh, <laughs> but still. Sure, sure. And I think, I mean, there's enough money in the crypto world or there are enough people with money in the crypto world that, uh, you know, that may be a real possibility. But I also think that a lot of people who are kind of heavily into the crypto universe, um, you know, they may have, you know, whatever, you know, 2 billion in, in Bitcoin, but they have you know, $500 million in dollars. Right. So for them, it's, you know, or, or thereabouts or whatever. So it's like, for them, it's very easy to be, um, uh, to be theoretical, yeah. um, you know, about this kind of thing and to live in that particular, you know, in, in, in that particular universe, the, um, uh, you know, it starts to get really dicey. I mean, as you said, your, you know, your wife pointed out, it starts to, to get really dicey when you've got a whole lot of people who have no savings in either Bitcoin or dollars. And as inflation goes up, as, um, as everything becomes unaffordable. Um, and at the same time as everything, you know, as, as you know, supply chains break down and we've got a hard time, um, even getting things for any amount of money. Um, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're up shit's creek. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a, a super chat from from Charlie Heathcott. Uh, says at one point you had to be a computer science master's degree to use the internet. Yeah, but the reason you don't have to be anymore is because there's tools available that like you would have to if if I gave you the raw HTML for the for what wherever you navigated, and I said here's here's the HTML, it's on the blockchain, it can't be deleted. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you would still have to be a computer science. You'd still have to have a computer science degree to use it. The reason that you don't is because the tools exist to simplify it. And if I, I will look at it this way, maybe this is too black pilled, but you can't outrun the zombie horde. There's too many of them. And when you have an entire culture taken over with zombie, like that's all zombies. It's like one monolithic ideology that is anti you, anti freedom anti-individualism they're marching towards some goal you can't like you could dodge some zombies and kick them in the face and shoot them in the head a few times but at the end of the day it's very difficult to permanently evade the zombie army i agree 
Isn't that a great thought? Um, all right. Maybe this is towards it. We're, we're getting to the end of the show, and I think maybe this is a good segue here. Um, what are they using the war in Ukraine to distract us from that we should be paying attention to? I'm not sure there's one thing. Um, I think that uh, in general, it's usually from a, you know, when this thing happens, it's, it's usually a matter of distracting from, uh, creating a distraction from, you know, stealing our liberties at home. I mean, that's like the, the kind of, you know, traditional answer. Uh, I'm not sure it's, it's thought out this way in particular. You know, I'm not sure it's thought out in a kind of wag the dog way that's so literal all the time. I mean, sometimes it is, but, you know, in, the, in this case, I'm not sure that, that that's possible. Um, I think there is something to be said about uh, COVID exhaustion, you know, the, the, the COVID wave cresting and then the Ukraine wave, you know, taking, um, taking over and ascending. Yep. Um, so I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure if it's, um, if it's a kind of literal thing, I, I tend not to think that there are um, that there are elaborate plots like this um, that are that kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, sometimes there are, you know, more often though there are not. More often though, uh, you know, the world has a vote, and um, and uh, and you know, things happen beyond anybody's control. Yeah. I assume they're yeah. they're going to expand their power. So yeah, yeah. The, the wave is dying out. They're going to expand power. Exactly what's going to do? It seems like it goes back to the Cold War. So Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, and the Pentagon, uh, that whole cabal. It's a different group than COVID, though. So I, I don't. I'm not sure how Bill Gates is involved in this one. Fauci isn't right. Well, but this somebody, is I think somebody tweeted like you know when we see Bill Gates come out on uh, you know on the Ukraine issue, then we'll know. Like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I listened to a, a bunch of great reset stuff. They talked about Klaus Schwab and 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 you know him talking about Putin and he his claim that Putin was one of his young. Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, the the the. Uh, young um leaders you know back when he was in the kgb along with you know the chancellor of germany and trudeau and like they're thinking about that so i think there's a tie there with the whole one world government stuff Uh, it can further that agenda i i tend to agree with david though i don't i don't it's not like a smoky room where they're like, this is the next thing we're going to do, but it it does tend to bounce from one group to another. Like you're saying where it's like, well, these Mm -hmm. people are approving of authoritarianism for these reasons, but they wouldn't approve of this other authoritarianism that we want to do. So we've, we exhausted them for a little while. Now we're going to like appease these other people who oppose this authoritarianism. They'll Mm -hmm. like this one. Uh, let's, let's, let's do this. And of course, nothing ever gets rat, like nothing ever gets rewound. So they, Hey, can we encroach our power? You know, can we get a little more power here? Oh, yes. Now can we get a little bit more here? Yes. And like mm-hmm. you're saying, the sides often flip-flop. Very few people are probably in the small subset that is, you know, watching and attending this right now who are like, 
I oppose all of these encroaching things that you're doing. Most people yeah. have kind of on one side of the encroachment or the other, and they just exploit that and keep, you know, keep building. Yeah, there's no, it, it, it's hard to believe there's a plan really. And they, they said, okay, a year ago, they said, okay, this is going to fade out. We're going to switch to this. Like they did have to react to Putin, but I, I think that they just jump on it. Like as soon as this happens, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, let's get on. Let's do this. It's like a fad. It's like fashion philosophy. fads. It's just a general sense that it's like, oh, this is the next thing. Let's like, there's a feeling that emerges and like, mm -hmm. this is the next cause that we need. It's it's now it's Ukraine. Right. And, I be wanna, and because and, a lot ahead. of these folks and, a lot, and because a lot of these folks are kind of ideologically aligned, the solutions will be predictable. Yes. You know, the government, the government needs to do something. That's yeah. sure. The government that's needs to do something. You know, guess what? It's your freedom that's responsible. You know? <laughs> right. So yes. Surprise. The culprit's always your freedom. Damn right. it. Right. Oh, it seems to it be could that. Have been a plan. I, I listened to the definitive source on this. Alex Jones was on Judge Alexander's <laughs> show. And <laughs> he quoted something he was saying in November from a bunch of sources that there was going to be a war in late January, February. He wasn't sure if it was going to be Taiwan, China, or Russia. Well, there's but, always a war. There's yeah. this, well, he, he, he That's true. He was off by two weeks. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, uh, I want to read one last super chat because Charlie uh, Heathcott, who was uh, uh, the arguing for Bitcoin, he says exactly. He gives us 50 bucks Canadian. Thank you. Uh, and says exactly. We are at the time that the blockchain will only be for the people in the know, but I think that eventually normies will get into it and ruin it. Just like your story about the no uh, no libertarians getting into Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, look, I, w I want all of the Bitcoin and, and not just Bitcoin, Ethereum. Like, I want all this stuff, Monero. Uh, I want all these dreams to come true. Like, I'm on the side of wanting that all to be true. I'm just... I'm just pretty skeptical that, uh, you know, if we give, if we're willing to give <laughs> Fauci so much control over a virus that's almost entirely uh, like non-lethal, uh, unless you have comorbidities and, and we're willing to give OSHA or try to give OSHA power over <laughs> what they do with their employees and vaccines, I think we'll probably just need to give power to whatever enforcement agency we think that those bad individualists are doing, you know, needs to have to stop these bad individualists from shifting bits around in a way that the, that Washington doesn't like. Right. right. Which is why you need a government, you know, really a state government um, that is, that is based and forthright and strong to come in and say, no, we're going to protect this. We're going to make sure that, um, that in our territory, um, you know, this stuff isn't going to happen. You know, I mean, this is where someone like Ron DeSantis can play a, a kind of decisive role um, and, and make sure, let's say, that in Florida or in Florida and Texas and, and maybe other states, um, you know, hands off Bitcoin. And uh, I know a lot of my, you know, my, my colleague, James Polos, um, talks a lot about a digital bill of rights or digital or, or what he calls it a, a second amendment for compute. <laughs> that will, um, you know, that will will keep the government's hands off of the, the blockchain and off of crypto. Um, you know, uh, 
I mean, what obviously, work is the second amendment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at the at, at the end of at the end of the day, um, you know, at the end of the day, the um, you know, this is something that you know was is is we're going to have to be kind of vigilant about, and uh, and just because I share your skepticism of 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 how all this will you know has the potential to shake out, I think we need to do everything in our power to make sure that uh, that it does that it doesn't go in that direction. Yeah. And, and I think he some of that. He's he's good. And I voted for him. I don't always vote, but I did vote for DeSantis. But he wants to go to DC too, so that's probably a wave that's ending, right? I'm not going well, to comment. Look, I, I, I you guys are underscoring something that I just maybe we can end with this thought to remind people. There is a difference between democracy and a and a government that that is protects individual rights and like David talked about the parchment earlier and like we look to the parchment we used to uh, look to the parchment about what we can and can't do. The fact that people vote for it doesn't mean it's okay. Um, and that's not, that's not the same thing as saying these are the rights that need to be recognized the rights, our rights, our individual rights need to be recognized. And, uh, and I'm, I, I've been arguing about this for 20 years. I can't stand when presidents and officials run around the world saying we need democracy and blah, 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 nation. Like, no, we don't. You need individual rights. They're not the same thing. Democracy and individual rights are not the same thing. And I think we just need to separate those two things. And if there was a clear side, if, by the way, if Ukraine, if he was standing up talking about individual rights and they had the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, and like they were, you know, really pro individual rights i would be all about helping them probably not forcefully through taxes but i would certainly be arguing that we should help them along um so if that's what they are right. yeah uh <laughs> keith why don't you remind people where they can find you um well on twitter um beset keith uh they can find me on unsafe space in the in the Substack. i uh write articles there and uh also on the Unsafe Space Facebook, MeWe, and Minds, you probably see me all the time in there chatting with people. Um, I have a podcast and a YouTube channel called Liberty Solutions. Although I haven't done an episode since I've gotten involved in Unsafe Space. Um, and we're going to start a new series on Unsafe Space soon. Yes. More on that later. And David, thank you so much for joining. It's always a pleasure sure, to remind pleasure. people where can they find you? Where can they read? Right, right there. Late Republic Nonsense. It's a Substack. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Dave Raboy, and um, and that's basically it. Also, obviously, read Claremont Institute publications like The American Mind. Alrighty, thank you very much, uh, both of you. Have a good week, everyone. We will be back on Dangerous Thoughts. Will happen this Wednesday, uh, and then we will be back back Friday. So uh, until maybe other shows, I don't know. Beverly can jump in and say, but. Until then, bye, everyone. Thanks, both of you, for joining. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, 
and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been approved by Neil Young. Please consider canceling the responsible parties. Here's a list. Do you know what's fascist? When truckers refuse to deliver products to the ruling class. That's what the dictionary says. I swear. The continued war on drugs will require the distribution of free crack pipes. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.